Hello and welcome to C3 City Light Podcast. You'll find us here in Raleigh until all are awakened to the light and love of Jesus. We hope that you find this message encouraging. For more information, check us out at C3CityLight.com or on social media at C3 City Light. We are picking up. Um, with this series, I know we took a pause last week to do Vision Builder Sunday and talking about the vision and what God's called our church to do. And if you missed it, yeah, as Pastor April said, go check out the podcast. Um, you're going to begin to hear a lot more about this next year and even as the year ends. But we are believing that by faith we're going to make sacrifices today to secure tomorrow's future. And we're going to raise $50,000 so we can begin to get positioned to get into a permanent building. The days of loading in and loading out, we're going to do that as long as we've got to do it. But we're believing that day is going to come to an end. But out of that $50,000, we're not just keeping it. Oh, look. No, we're going to give 15% of it away. We've got five partners that we're going to work with over the course of this year. Three of them are here locally. We've got Carol's Kitchen, Healing Transition, and... Carroll Middle School, where we're at right now. And then we're going to partner with a local um, a church plant coming. It's called C3 Music City. It's in Nashville. We're going to partner with them next year and help them get going. They're launching in 2020. And we know it takes money. It takes money to get gear. It takes money to, it, and we're going to help them out. And then lastly, we're working with, man, Gadiel's going to rebuke me, but I'm going to give it my best try. We're working with Inglesia Buenas Nuevas, Good News Church, and um, Barky Cementos. I don't hear him laughing, so maybe I got it right. Barky Cementos, Venezuela. Venezuela is going through a tough time right now, and the church is providing food, providing clothing, providing medicine as much as they can, giving it away to the neighborhood. And we want to come alongside of them, and we're going to do some food drives. We're going to raise some money. We're going to do everything we can to send to them to help them. Because how many know when, when the world's at its darkest, that's when God's church shines the brightest. And we're going to come in. We're going to meet the needs. We're going to help them. And at the same time, we're going to help the church. The Good News Church, share the good news, not just providing food and clothes, but providing the good news of salvation through Jesus. So all that's coming up for this year, you'll hear a lot more about it, but that's why we took a break last week. This week, today, we're picking up in the final part of our series called Forgotten Pillars. Forgotten Pillars, the first week we talked about the importance of honor. The second week we talked about the importance of integrity. And integrity isn't your reputation. Integrity is who you are when no one else is around. Integrity and how deep it is. And today we're talking about gratitude. But these pillars are so important. Pillars provide structure for a building. You need pillars. You need that support. But not only do they support, add support and structural integrity, they add a beauty. They, they're attractive. They make buildings that could kind of be ugly stand out and look attractive. There's these pillars in our life, these virtues of honor, of integrity, of gratitude that make our lives attractive. And it's not us. It's these principles of the Lord. It's these principles of the kingdom. But when our employers see it, when our neighbors see it, when the cashier at the grocery store sees it, there's, a, there's an attractive quality. Hold up. What is this? And so today we're going to talk about gratitude. And yes, I planned it that way, knowing we were leading into Thanksgiving. But gratitude isn't something we do around the kitchen table right before we eat turkey. Everybody give thanks for one thing you're grateful for. No, we don't do that just once a year. We want to live this way. In Dallas, where April and I moved here from, I mean, we grew up around here, but we were there for a while. They had this term, and it cracked me up and confused me. It was called the $30,000 millionaire. Anybody ever heard that term? I hadn't before I moved there. But it was a thing in Dallas. Where you have people living on a $30,000 salary or whatever, like 
just got into their career living, and they would try to live like they were millionaires. And so they would, the running joke was they would lease a, uh, a BMW M3. That was a, and they would be in the right zip code, and they would live in the right place. And we met a couple different people that were leasing agents for apartments. They were in our small group. And we were talking about the niche. She's like, man, you have no clue how many times I walk into someone's apartment and they're eating on, uh, they don't have furniture. They don't even have a bed frame. They just got like mattress on the floor. Like they've done everything they could do to get into the right zip code and they can't even afford to live. And they've leveraged their salary of 30K. They're in debt. Everything looks right though. They look the right way. Their teeth are whitened. They're tan. They're ready to go. They got the right car, the right zip code, but it's hollow. And they're hurting. I'm telling you, gratitude begins to fix stuff like that. It reminds me of that girl from Willy Wonka. I think her name was Veruca. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's the, she's not the one that eats the blueberry. No, no, no. They don't, that's not the one they roll out. Veruca was the girl with the terrible attitude. And I want it now. I want it now. And here are these geese that lay golden chocolate eggs. And she's like, I want one. And the dad's like, hey, Willie, help. hey, Wonka, how much for that? You can't, it can't be bought. It can't be bought. It won't be sold. I want it now. And she goes into the song and throws the temper tantrum. And then my favorite part, she jumps up on the scale that weighs the egg. And instead of it saying good egg, it says bad egg. And she falls into the dump. Well, where does the dump go? To the furnace. Ah, and he jumps in and gets. But that's our generation. I want it now. I want it right now. And that $30,000 millionaire thing about looking the right way, doing the right thing, it comes from an ungrateful mindset. And an ungrateful mindset left unchecked will wreck us. An ungrateful mindset comes from entitlement. It comes from, like, I feel like I deserve it. I earn it. It's mine. And we just become discontent. We We become discontent with what we have right now. And gratitude is the key to fight that enemy. It's the key. Because I'm telling you, if we don't get this attitude checked and we don't live with an attitude of gratitude, our joy suffers. Our joy suffers. And gratitude is the key to, un- to defeating an ungrateful mindset. Gratitude is the key to defeating entitlement and discontentment. But, you know, us being an entitled generation, like, I mean, yeah, it's our fault, but it's kind of not, right? We live in a day and age where divorce rates are crazy. So parents feel guilty for working so much, and it's almost just easier just to say yes sometimes. Yeah, okay. Because, like, if you look at the divorce rates around the 50s to where they are now, like, a huge uptick. And so parents feel guilty. Yeah, you can have that pony, no problem. Oh, you want a unicorn? Okay, you can have that too. And they're working so much, it's like you almost feel like you can't even say no. But then, like, not just that, but we live in an environment where we try to, like, failure-proof. We try to failure-proof our kids Growing up, and so everybody's going to get a ribbon. Everybody's going to get a participation trophy. We don't want anybody to feel left out. So we try to failure-proof them, and it's like, that's not how life works. You step out in faith, do your very best, and even if it doesn't go well and you don't win, you lose graciously. And you just learn, I'll bounce back, I'll work harder, I'm going to do my, I'm going to get, my best is going to get greater. I'm going to get even better. Right? But we've tried to failure-proof stuff where kids don't learn that stuff. Oh, come on, man. Safety devices. Anybody grow up not wearing a helmet? That's probably what's wrong with me now. Bump my head too much, right? I never forgot I was riding a bicycle, and I hit up. I was riding with no hands, thought I was really cool. And it was the summertime. I didn't have a shirt on. I was with some friends, and I hit a pine cone. 
and I went flying over the handlebar. And I tucked and rolled, and I thought it was probably the most Jackie Chan ninja thing I've ever done in my life. I just walked right out of it. Like, I didn't even, like, slide. I just rolled, and, oh, I was getting ready for American Ninja Warrior. It's awesome. But I didn't have a helmet. But now, like, we're trying to use a bunch of safety devices and and all that stuff and ribbons and trophies just for participating. We're trying to failure-proof, and that's not how life works. Sometimes we do fail. It happens. Oh, this is the worst that gets me. From your phone or your iPad, you can order whatever you want. You can order a pizza. You can order McDonald's, and you can get DoorDash to bring. You don't even have to get up off the couch other than to go to the door. You can rent a car. You can even go to the doctor from your couch. Did you know that? Certain medical providers have it where you can Skype them or like a program like Skype. and You, you didn't even got to leave. You stay right there in your robe when you don't feel good. You didn't even got to go to the doctor. You get medicine. It's crazy. From the comfort of an iPad or a phone, we can do that. We've forgotten how to wait. If I want to change the thermostat upstairs, I can do it from my phone because I have the app. I don't even have to walk up there. But all that stuff's good, and there's a place for it, and there's a value to it. But if we're not careful, we'll forget how to wait, and we'll forget how to just work the process. Sometimes in life, there's not a shortcut. There's not, there's not a microwave option. You just got to slow cook it, and you got to wait. You got to go through the process. But this I want it now attitude of entitlement will crush our spirits, will crush us from being grateful. So here we go. The opposite of entitlement and discontentment is the forgotten pillar of gratitude. We're going to see this here. If you've got your Bible, turn with me to Luke 17, verses 11 through 13, and then we're going to go a little bit further after that. Here we go. Luke 17, verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, Ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, and they called out to him in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So let's pause. Let's get a little bit of context. We don't really see a lot of leprosy going around today, right? There's not leprosy. There's not leopards. There's not colonies of leopards. Like, there's not that. But this was a very painful, painful disease with open sores. And it did terrible nerve damage where you couldn't even feel your arms, your legs, or where it was. You couldn't even feel it. So you could fall asleep in the middle of the night with the open sore, not feel it, and wake up with your thumb or arm missing because a rat gnawed on it. It's crazy. I'm glad that we don't see that today in America. Like, that's a really good thing. I don't, but you got op- these guys have open sores, fluids oozing out, and then in Culturally, they had this thing going on from Leviticus 13 where if you were unclean, and lepers, leopards were unclean ceremonially, and so they had to announce wherever they would go, unclean, unclean, like heads up, don't touch me, don't get near me because then you're going to be unclean and I'm going to contaminate you. And it was this cultural thing set up from Leviticus 13. And so when here you are, not only are you in pain, not only are you oozing, not only are you scared to go to sleep because a rat might gnaw your hand off, Not only are you dealing with that physically, you're dealing with the shame culturally. Everywhere you go, you have to announce before you get to the room, unclean, unclean, here I come. And 10 of these guys have lived with that all these years, and they're together. It has nothing to do with the sermon, but it's an interesting point. Misery loves company. Because if I've got a drug problem and I'm around you and you've got a drug problem, I don't feel bad about my problem. 
if I've got a bad attitude and you got a bad attitude, I can get around you and I don't feel bad about my bad attitude. I feel like, yeah, they get me. Yeah, but they're getting the wrong part of you, right? We got to be careful with who we surround ourselves with. But in this time, you got leopards that were hanging out together, watching out for each other, and they're miserable together. But they see Jesus coming, and they had heard of Jesus because he had done great miracles in this area. And they cry out to him. They didn't say, unclean, unclean. They said, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And Jesus calls back to them. That's where we pick up Luke 17, verse 14. When he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. We'll talk about faith. Jesus said, nothing's changed, but hey, hey, as you go to go show yourself to the priest, and as you go, they were healed. They were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? What happened? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? He's, his context is Jews. He's talking to Jews. And the one person out of the, nine, the ten that came back was a Samaritan. Come on, we've heard about the good Samaritan. We know that Jesus would use this as an example. Y'all think y'all got it all because y'all are Abraham's children. Look at this Samaritan. Look at this. Y'all despise him, but he's the one getting it right. No one found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner. And it makes us ask a really important question today. Are we like the nine or are we like the one? Do we turn around and give thanks for what God's done for us? Because only one out of the nine came back to tell him thank you. You would think that after all these years of pain, like after all these years of suffering, out of all these years of having to be isolated and away from your family and away from your friends and just away from all that and just oozing and open source, you would think that when you went to the priest and were healed, you would be like, whoa, I got to go thank this guy. I'm a go- Jesus, look at me. Praise break. I'm good. Thank you. You're awesome. But only one did that. The other nine just took it for... Well, that was supposed to happen. He's Jesus. And then titled and then just left. If we're not careful, because our tendency, like our natural state is to be entitled and discontent with what God's done. That's, that's, that's called being a human. Welcome to the human life, right? Welcome to the experience of that. But those nine, they were just ungrateful. They were ungrateful for what Jesus had done in their life. They were ungrateful. And today, there's a couple mindsets that I want us to learn about. And it's called being, having an ungrateful mindset. And I want to talk about these two things that just, if we're not careful, they're going to give us an ungrateful mindset. Because those nine that didn't come back, they had that mentality. They had this mentality, an ungrateful mindset. So number one, I want it now. Man, I can't wait in line. Come on, anybody like that when you go to a place and the service is terrible? Like, I'd almost rather the food just be mediocre, like just, eh, okay, than like the t- service just be terrible. It's like, you know, you walk into that restaurant and they treat you like you're doing them a favor by showing up. Oh, yeah. Glad you came in. And um, I'll get to you when I get to you. No, like I'm the customer. I'm giving you money and I'm exchanging that for a good experience and service. But that idea that I want it now. I want it now. I wanted that Veruca from Willy Wonka. I want it now and I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't. I want it now. 
I want it now. The best way that I've seen this given in Scripture, these two mindsets, is from the prodigal son. I'm not going to read it to you, but I will set the story up. There's a younger brother who's got a father and an older brother. And, you know, typically we wait for someone to die before we ask for an, or before we get and receive an inheritance. This guy didn't do that. He didn't want to wait. He wanted it now. Hey, Dad, I know you haven't died yet, but I sure would like my inheritance now. And I know it's taken you a lifetime to save it up and to accrue it and to get all this, but I can't wait. I want it now. And it's found in Luke 15, if you want to go read it later. In verse 12, the younger one says, hey, Father, give me my share of the estate. I want it now. Straight up, Willy Wonka, Veruca, I want it now. Give it to me now. Father, give me my share of the estate. And the father did. Lifetime, saving, earning, saving up. Okay. And what happens? What took this father a lifetime to save up? This guy blows it in a short period of time, and he squanders it. He wastes it. And he runs out of all the money. All the friends run out on him. And here he is feeding someone's pigs. He's in a pig pen feeding the pigs. And he's so hungry that the food that they're eating, he's eating. Man, he's got to be hungry. And he comes to himself, and he comes to his senses Oh, yeah, even the servants at my father's house have food to eat. Even they got food to eat. I'm going to go back home. So he does. And it's such a beautiful picture of God's grace. While he's far away, the father sees him. The father says, he must have been looking, right? Oh, down the road, there's my boy. And he runs to his son. Oh, man, that which was lost, that which is, was dead is now alive. Hey, put a robe on him. Put a ring on his finger. Let's get him cleaned up. Hey, kill the fatted calf. This guy's like Oprah. You get a steak. You get a steak. You get a steak. Everybody gets a steak. Come on, we're celebrating. This guy's alive. Yeah, man, it's ribeye time. Let's go. Kill the fatted calf. And he celebrates him. But think about this. He wanted it now. He wanted it now. We live in a culture where we want it now. Where back in the day it was like, you want it? Save up your money, earn it, and then pay cash for it, right? But now we've, got, we've leveraged credit and have gone into debt. Do you know what the national average is per person for debt? And I'm not talking about mortgages. I'm talking about personal debt, $38,000. That's a lot of money. I mean, that's like, I, when I read that, I was like, oh, my goodness, The on average, Americans owe $38,000. Car payments, student loans, credit cards make up over a quarter of that amount. You know what interest rates look like with credit cards, right? Like that's, I want it now. I can't wait. I got to have the newest thing. Wait a minute. I got to press my, so I got an iPhone 8. I don't want an iPhone 8. I need an iPhone 11. Because with an iPhone 11, you can just hold it up and it sees your face. I can't wait long enough to put my finger on the button or how dare me t- type in a punch code. I got to let it read my face and then unlock my phone. Are you kidding me? Well, we got to have it now. I want it now. I can't wait. I need that 11 to come out. Come on, man. But we want it now. And that's what the younger brother had that mentality, that ungrateful mindset of I want it now. I don't want to wait. I don't want to save up. I'll leverage my credit. I'll leverage what I can do. I want it now. And that ruins a heart of gratitude. Number two, we see it in the same story. I deserve more. Because when the younger brother came in, what did the other brother do? He started piping off. 
right? You know the story? He started piping off. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Look, after all these years, I've been slaving for you. I never disobeyed any of your orders, yet you never even gave me a young goat. Talk about ribeye time, killing a fatted calf. You didn't even give me a goat to se- that I could celebrate with my friends. Dude, you could have asked for it. Hey, pops, me and my friends are trying to celebrate. Like, can we, can we have a goat? Yes, yeah, son, it's yours anyway. Here you go. But this mentality, I deserve more. I didn't get anything. I didn't get anything. I worked and I worked and I deserve more. Someone owes me something. I deserve it. And if we're not careful, that entitlement creeps in and it will ruin our joy. I deserve a better paying job. Oh, I deserve a company car. This cell phone's not good enough. Forget this iPhone 8. I want it to turn my face into a unicorn that dances. That's what it does. That's what it does. This isn't a commercial. For, I'm just saying, Steve Jobs, I wish you were here helping us, man. It's come to this. Unicorns dancing. God have mercy on us. For all the droid fans, I don't even know what the new note is. 27? I don't even know. It's probably awesome. Google phone. All right. Sorry. But the whole premise is I deserve more. Somebody owes me. I deserve it. I deserve it. Come on, you ever walked into the closet? You got a closet full of clothes. I have nothing here to wear. Really? Like this, that's the clothes, that's the clothes. This never happens in my household for the record. Let the record show. I've never heard my wife say that. I've got nothing to wear. Look at the clothes, babe. The whole closet's yours. I just got a little corner. (laughs) Amen. All the guys are like, yep, preach that. That's good. But it's this mentality, I deserve more. And we got to kill it. We got to kill that mentality, man. It will rob us of our joy. It will rob us of a grateful attitude. It will rob us. It will rob us. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you the how-to and all that stuff and make it applicable and help you out. But I want to do some soul searching. You ever sometimes just want to just slow it down, get real quiet, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us. Because I typically think that we have these two mindsets. I want it now, or I deserve more entitlement, uh, being discontent around these three different areas. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to give you these three things, and I'm believing that as I talk about this, the Lord's going to begin to put things in our mind that, man, that's me, God. That's me. There's nothing. Look, we're all like this. We're all, we all, that's human nature. We all have moments or areas of our life that can creep up and we don't even realize, man, I'm really ungrateful for that. Where did that come from? It's like a weed. It's like a tiny weed. I don't know if you've ever done any gardening, but it's always easier to pluck a weed when it's really small. When that thing grows and sets in and digs the roots down and gets a bunch of sunlight and water, man, you better get a shovel out to get that root out, to get that weed out. We want to get it when it's small. And I'm believing that today God's going to help us, by his grace, pluck out this ungrateful mindsets in these three areas. All right? So as I talk through these three areas, I'm believing that the Holy Spirit help us now to identify these areas that we need you to help us become grateful in. Amen. Number one. Material possessions, material possessions, material or or financial possessions. Is there any ungratefulness in our life about this? God, I hate this car, Lord. Ah, ah, it's like, it's like, it's a used car, Lord. It's not even new. The brakes squeak sometimes, Lord, I hate this car. Lord, this job, oh, it only pays this amount. I really needed to pay that. God, this job, oh, 
Maybe it's relational. Lord, I'm so tired of being single. Oh, God, I mean, I got some friends, but, like, I don't have the one. I haven't met the one. Oh, right? And relationally, we can sometimes just get ungrateful. So material or financial, relationally. Lord, I just wish I wasn't alone. I just wish I had more friends. I just wish I had somebody. I just wish that the people I had really got me and I could talk to them. And, I, and, uh, and we can just become ungrateful. And then lastly, circumstantial. Lord, this is a dead-end job. There's no future on this job. Man, I hate this neighborhood. There's no future in this neighborhood. It's just appreciating. It ain't even appreciating, Lord. This circumstance of, man, like my, my knees ache, God. My knees ache, Lord. Why does my back ache? Oh, this is so annoying. Why? Uh, man, this 43-inch TV is just like, eh, I really need a 70-inch, Lord. Uh, Oh, man, all my friends went to go see Frozen 2. I haven't even seen it yet. Why, God, why? Sorry, that's the word of the people with small kids. But we'll do this stuff circumstantially where all in all, all things considered, this ain't that bad, right? Like, this ain't that bad. But we focus on the things that are a little bit off, and when we do that, we'll become ungrateful. I just pray that as we're talking through material, financial possessions, relational and circumstances, I'm praying that God just kind of, oh, 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 Holy Spirit, that's me. Help me get that weed out. Like, pull that weed out of my life, Lord. I don't want to be like that. So here we go. I want to help us. This is how we grow in gratitude. And it really is this simple. It's going to blow your mind. We got to decide to turn our blessings into praise. Turn our blessings into praise. When there's something going on that's positive, when there's something that's going on that's cool, when there's something that's like, "Mm, okay, Lord, I'm going to turn that into praise. You know what happens when we do that? When we turn our blessings into praise, they don't turn into pride. Every blessing that we receive either turns into praise or it turns into pride. It's sneaky. It's subtle. But when we get something, we almost think we own it. Oh, this is mine. This is mine. This came from me working hard. This came from me working hard. I earned it. I deserved it. I want it now. This is mine. The money is mine. Vegas vacation. That old man wins the lottery, and he's sitting there with that ticket. The money, the money, the money is mine. The money's mine. And then he dies, the ticket, and they pick it up. And Anyway, ruin the movie for you. But you've had a good 15 years to watch it, so you're welcome. But the money, the money is mine, and we think it's ours. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. It's not mine. It's a blessing. It came from God. He's the source of all good things. He's the source of every good blessing. God, thank you, Lord. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you. Thank you, Lord, that I got my health, that I woke up this morning, and you filled my lungs with air. Thank you, Jesus. And we just turn it right back into praise. We got to decide, turn our blessings into praise. So they don't turn into pride. It didn't come from us. Are you kidding me? We live in one of the greatest countries on the planet. And like the top 3% of living conditions of the whole world. So even if your car is 15 years old, but if you can get from point A to point B, on a global scale, you're doing all right. You are doing all right. Man, you've got a toilet in the house, you are doing all right. Come on, nature parties aren't fun. Walking outside to the outhouse in the middle of the night, that ain't fun. Bed pans and the way they came up like in the 40s. No, sir. Thank you, God, we got a roof over our head that's got indoor plumbing. May not be a McMansion, but at least 
I ain't got to walk outside to go to the potty. Come on, it's a good thing. We got to turn that stuff into blessings. I saw a pastor when I was living in Brazil. I shared a room with him one night when we were traveling, and he was older than me. He woke up early in the morning. It was like 5.30. We were getting up when we both set our alarms, and I, I saw it happen for a couple of days in a row. Every time his alarm came off, you know what he did? Before his feet hit the ground, God, thank you for waking me up this morning. This is going to be a good day because you're for me and with you. Thank you, God, for this day that I get to see. And I thought it was a fluke the first day, but I stayed with him for at least a week. And he kept doing it every single day. Okay, that's how this joker starts his day off. Thank you, God, that I woke up breathing. Okay, I'm not going to take it for granted. Anyway, it just blew my mind because you know what? That guy's just like me and you. Like he, he trained himself to be grateful. He learned how to be grateful. Apostle Paul said it like this in Philippians. I'm going to read it to you. I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, I can do everything from him who gives me strength. Can you believe he said that? Paul was shipwrecked. He was beaten several times, 39 times minus a lash. He was taken out to a pile of rocks and stoned and left for dead, but he didn't die. After he was shipwrecked on the island of Malta, he built a fire and a viper came out and bit him. And he just shook it off and kept going. This guy knew. He was locked up in jail and imprisoned. He knew what it was like to be in need. But he learned the secret to being content. He learned that no matter how good things are going or how bad things are, I can be content because I've got Jesus. And you can't take him from me. And it's him who gives me strength. I'm telling you, if Paul figured it out, we can figure it out too. We can figure it out, too. There's a, there's a lot of verses in the wisdom literature. And, uh, you know, like Proverbs, the Psalms, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes. A lot of these guys talk about being content and being grateful. But I'm telling you, Paul knew something. It's not our nature. Our nature is not to be grateful. Our nature is to be ungrateful. I need it. I want it. I deserve it. Me, 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 give it to me. That, and so if we're not careful, that's going to be our tendency. So we got to be careful. we got to train ourselves. we got to learn. How do I stay in a place of gratitude? How do I stay in a place where I'm content and thankful? Because I'm telling you, being entitled will kill our joy. It will suck the joy out of every situation. Man, I had such a good first date. I better get that second call. Well, I don't know. We're not entitled to anything. People don't owe us anything. But we got to learn to pull that weed as regularly as it needs to be pulled. That's my favorite way to repent. Repent often. I don't go to the Lord, but he was oh, Lord, it's been a long time, Lord. It's me again. I got, you know, every single day, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. My heart just wants to slip back and be ungrateful. Thank you, God, that you love me anyway. I love the way Ecclesiastes 6, 9 says, better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. We all got this thing inside of us, and the technical term for it is called a wanter, where we just want and want and want and won't, and won't, and we're groving, and we're just, I want more. I got this roving appetite, but better just what, hey, God, I can see it. I can get my hands on it. Thank you, God. 
Ooh, thank you for this job. It's not ideal, but you know what, God? It's paying the bills. Thank you, Lord, that I'm employed today. Thank you, Lord, that you're faithful, that there's food in my, in my refrigerator. Thank you, God, that they ain't cutting the power off today. Thank you, Lord, I got water running and indoor air conditioning. Thank you, Lord. One of the things that's helped me the most in my life not take things for granted is when something bad happens. I take for granted my health and my kids' health. I do. Like, I just really take it for granted that my kids are healthy and they're alive. Earlier in the summer, after it was a Sunday morning, we were preaching. As soon as it was over, our, and uh, they were doing the offering and this missing in the song, one of the kids' workers came and got April. Hey, will you come with me? And so she went back there. I didn't think anything of it. I just, you know. And then later we found out that in, toward the end of service and the kids were playing, somehow the Charlotte snuck a uh, lifesaver. And she ate it, and it broke in half and folded, and, and it got lodged in her throat. And she was turning purple and blue, and she couldn't breathe. Right here at Kid City. And one of the volunteers is a nurse at Wake Med, and she performed the Heimlich, and the color returned, and she breathed, and, it, and she's fine. No, no, thank the Lord. But that whole next three weeks just messed me up at how fragile life is. Something I take for granted, like my kids are healthy and okay, and I'll just be like, man, will y'all just pick up your toys? Oh, my. I didn't say that once that week. I was like, Lord, thank you that there is a mess in this house for me to clean up and that my kids are making that. Woo! Oh, God. I didn't say once for the next couple weeks. I can't believe that joker's climbing up in my bed in the middle of the night with her bony knees and her bony elbows, ruining my sleep. It was, God, thank you that my sleep is terrible tonight because my kid's alive and she's in this bed letting me know she's in here feeling safe oh it totally changed my oh man I was filled with so much gratitude thank you God it could have been bad she could have died I don't know oh my goodness this conversation will be totally different today but thank you God and even when things go that we don't understand but thank you for the moments that I did have Lord Oh, Lord, they marked my life. For as long as I'm alive, this marked by them. Thank you for the years that you gave them to me. I'm better because of it. Thank you, Lord. But perspective, and I think that's what Solomon was talking about in Ecclesiastes. Better what the eye can see than this roving appetite. I just want more. I just want more. I just want more. And taking stuff for granted that we do have that we can put our eyes on. And Proverbs 15, 15 says it like this. The cheerful heart has a continual feast, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth and with turmoil. Better to have a little bit and be content than to have a continual feast without the Lord. And I catch myself sometimes, God, I'm tired of this car. No, God, thank you for this car. Thank you that it's got four tires that move the right way. Thank you that it's got brakes. This car can go and it can stop. Thank you. Oh, my house is always a wreck. God, thank you that this house is lived in and it's comfortable. It's a place that friends come over and have a good time and visit and hang out and get the place dirty. Thank you, Lord, for our kids that are running around getting this house dirty. And right after I get it clean, I got to start again because they're still playing and cutting up. Thank you, Lord, for those kids. God, I'm always so busy with my family or with my kids. Or Thank you, Lord, that everybody's healthy and we get to go do stuff. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, my house is so small. God, thank you for air conditioning and indoor plumbing. Thank you, Lord. God, I don't like my job. Thank you, God, that I have a job and I have a steady income. Thank you, Lord. 
oh, God, this church is getting too big. Thank you, God, that this church is alive and it's growing, and I may not know everybody, but that's okay. Thank you. You, God, a cheerful heart always has a continual feast. Better a little with the fear of the Lord. I'm telling you, we can't just feel gratitude. We've got to express it. We've got to express it. We don't want to just feel grateful. We want to express it. When you get amazing service out of place, go express it through a review. Man, this place is five out of five. They're amazing. I walked in and they were glad to see me. I asked for this and they gave me all the answers I needed. Man, they're knowledgeable. Thank you. You know what you're doing. Or, man, I've got the best professor. I'm going to write them a thank you card. Get your notepad out. Write them a thank you card. Hey, you really are, this class has changed my life. Thank you. Or you got a great employer. Hey, thank you for being so understanding as I've been learning. Or, or thank you so much for, you always lead with excellence. I just, I don't want to take you for granted. Thank you. And you just write a card. But I'm telling you, we don't want to just feel gratitude. We want to express it. Because you can feel grateful for somebody, but do they know it? Do your parents know it? Do your kids know it? Do your kids' teachers know it? I'm so grateful that I can drop my kid off to your class and know they're going to be safe during the day and they're going to come back knowing more than when they went in. Thank you. I appreciate your effort. You always show up to class prepared. Thank you. Express it. To the leaders in Kid City, thank you that every Sunday morning I drop my kids off and I have an hour and 15 minutes of glorious bliss because they're not here screaming. Thank you for providing that hour and 15 minutes of glorious bliss or whatever, right? Like, we don't want to just feel gratitude. We want to express it. Pick up the phone. Man, thank you so much, granddad. You're awesome. Thank you for the lessons you taught me when we were going fishing when we were kids. Man, thank you. I learned so much watching you lead your family. Thank you. Look, we might be in a tough season right now, and it's true, but we ain't got to talk about it. Man, this is the hardest season ever. This is the hardest season ever. No, it's not. Let's start reframing how we do things. God, thank you for this tough season right now that you're going to get me through it. Right? And we just reframe it. We take our gratitude and we express it. We express it. If you've got employees that are working for you, man, they always show up on time. They're doing their best. They're helping. They're modeling things the way they need to. Let them know. Thank you. Hey, I appreciate you doing what you're supposed to be doing. Like, I don't take it for granted. Thank you. And express it to them. Your neighbors. Come on, it's Thanksgiving and the holidays and Christmas. Man, thank you so much for being a good neighbor. I know you're always kind of keeping an eye on what's going on. Thank you. I appreciate it. But look, let's praise God. Let's give him praise. Because he's blessed us. And he loves us. You know, we were talking about, I want it now, and I deserve more. You know what we deserve. Every single one of us in this room, you know what we deserve. Romans 3.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. Every single one of us, that's what we deserve. We deserve death, and we deserve an eternity separated from God. That's what we deserve. But you know what he gave us? The second part of that verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of eternal life through Christ Jesus. We get to experience eternal life in Christ Jesus because he gave his life for us. I don't know about you, but even going in a hard time, we can be grateful for our salvation. We can be grateful for the gospel. We can be grateful when we were still an enemy of Jesus. He gave his life for us. We can be grateful. 
And that's just the beginning of his many blessings. I'm telling you, gratitude makes poor people rich, but ungratefulness makes rich people poor because they don't appreciate what they have. This holiday season, this Thanksgiving, this time of gathering with our family, let's just live like rich people. Even if it doesn't matter what our bank account, let's just be grateful and it will make us feel it like we're rich because we're rich in relationships. We're rich in blessings that God has lavishly given us. Amen. Amen. We hope that you have been inspired and encouraged by today's message. For more info or to connect with us, check us out at c3citylight.com.